Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start? I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In life itself, a memoir, Roger E. begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it, molded by it. The audio surrounded me. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. At first, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bowl Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. A podcast in which, eventually, ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. So I take a look, as usual, as I come in for this little where are we now in the bracket kind of episode, at minute 47 of Tristram Shandy. I don't know what's going on in this scene. <laughs> but, uh, was that Naomi Harris is telling a story about knights clobbering each other, a metaphor for life. It's like all the movies, you know. Pause that. We made it ten seconds. That's pretty good. Because I was thinking about a couple things with movies by minutes, with podcasting, with whatever movies. Last week, last week's episode. You know, I include sound bites in this show a lot. There were something like fourteen of them last last week, which is crazy. Two of them included were Dennis Miller from, I believe it's from his Off-White album, and James Woods from The Hard Way. And I was thinking when I was including those, like, these are problematic individuals for me now. I'm like, do I want to promote them? And I'm like, but I try to put the clips in where my head goes, because this is the show that's like, what's inside my head for these discussions? Someone says something and it reminds me of a line from a movie. I go find that line from that movie and I put it in there. What's with you? So, hard way was easy. I mixed in a little Michael J. Fox, a little James Woods, to get the line right. Dennis Miller one's more of a silly aside, but I still put it in there. And it's interesting to think about the way these movies get into our heads and shape who we are. It's something I wrote about in Groundhog Day Project a lot. It's that we each have this sort of version of a movie that's in our head that's different than the version of a movie that's in someone else's head. My bracket is my bracket. It's not even necessarily my favorite films, as I'll get to, in this group of six. It's a construct. I'm recording this on the day that Blake Riley is promoting the idea of doing some MXM awards this year. 
It's like immediately, because I'm really into award shows and everything, it became this weird construct thing where I'm thinking way too much about the categories. I should just be, you know, nominating myself or something. And thinking about how I don't listen to a lot of podcasts this year, because I don't spend a lot of time in the car like I used to, because of lockdown, working from home, each day the same. You know, we'll get to that in a bit. And that awards is like a popularity contest. Who can get the most votes? I made a joke, like, where are the for your consideration ads? Are we campaigning for these things? It's all in fun, but every industry has its awards. I love when people complain that actors give out awards to actors. Like, yeah, are you in a union? Because they have awards. Do you work at a school? Because they have awards. My wife worked at Forest Lawn. They had awards. If you got an industry with an organization, it's got awards of some sort. And even this bracket, it's awards of some sort. What movie do I think is the best? What, what, what does that matter? But hey, if you need something to watch, you listen to this show, you'll get some suggestions. You'll hear interesting things about movies. Spend multiple episodes talking in depth on maybe a movie you've never heard of or never thought of watching. Today I got to talk about groups 9, 3, and 6 of the bracket. There are 18 groups in the final bracket. If you're just joining this show, it's a weird episode to join on. But bracket didn't work out very well. I was going to try to put all the movies in order. That was going to be an awful task. From the beginning, I didn't try. So I started with 380-something movies, I forget. The thing was, I calculated before, and just being on the list meant it was like the top 1% of movies I've seen. Something like that. I forget. So they're all doing well, as far as my opinion of them goes. But even then, as we'll get to today, some of that is a little constructed. A choice to include them, because I wanted to talk about them. Wait, no, that's not right. If I leave this line in, it's because that's the way the show is. There was a duo that was supposed to be in this section of three, but kept getting rescheduled. And so I actually haven't gotten to it yet. Next time we'll talk about the construct. Oh my god. But then I wonder, I talked about this a few episodes ago. Are there new movies that need to be on the list? Should I start the bracket all over again when the bracket finishes? I don't know. Should I just start it over again to see what happens? What if different pairs happen, different conversations happen, and I come up with different results? What if none of the same movies end up on the list? That would be crazy. That's crazy. Joe, that's been your answer every time I tell a story. It's like you're not even listening. Well, that's because you interrupted me when I was telling you about Kevin trying to hang himself with an extension cord. I know, that's crazy. But totally possible. No, it's not It's not possible. For example, it's in the second group day, Groundhog Day, I've seen so many times, I don't know how I couldn't include it. I could have left it off a bit, just because I didn't have to talk about it. Star Wars, you know. Indiana Jones, I left those off because I didn't want to talk about them. They were on the larger bracket, the 300 and something. They might have even made the top 64, I don't remember. I don't have the Excel sheet open. Yes, there was an Excel sheet, I'll remind you. Where I marked off when movies got off and figured out what genres made it to the end. and Learned that apparently I like things that have a bit of melancholy to them. I like drama over comedy. Shocker. Anyway, group nine. Sing Street is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. It makes me happy. It makes me sad. It's a musical, and I love musicals. There aren't a lot of film musicals that I love. I enjoy them. I like stage musicals more. But a good film one. Oof. There is a stage version of Sing Street, but I haven't seen it. It's relatively new. I don't think it's gone on tour yet, and now with lockdown, it isn't even doing anything. The actors did a live performance of most of the songs early in lockdown. It was great. It was on, like, Zoom. It was cool. The movie, Young Kid in the 80s. I was a young kid in the 80s. 
wants to do something creative and he's at this school that's oppressive. I'm shocked that I connect to this. Oof. Private school I went to. Church I grew up in. Thinking the end of the world was on the way. And Sing Street all he needs is the right group of friends. The right motivation. A girl. To make something of himself. And to stick to it. That's part of the key to what makes the film fun is that he sticks to it. It changes it. He gets his melancholy moments. But he keeps going. And the film has beautiful pieces along the way. Like the brothers are talking and they're at the top of the stairs looking at their mother. I included this quote. I included this sound, but I don't include it again. Look at her. She races home every evening just to catch that last little bit of sun. Have a cigarette and read her papers. She's always talking about going on a holiday to Spain. But he never takes her. That's all she gets. And the tall tree blocks it and she comes in. I often wonder what she's thinking about. Yeah, that. It's honest, it's raw. You don't think of a musical as being honest and raw. Because a musical is so much the artifice. A musical film even more so. There's layers of fake. Sometimes the most fake is the most real. Say Anything is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. Again, it comes down to this weird personal connection. Not just that this is like the first movie that my wife and I watched together, and we watched again recently, but I watched this since I was, like, since it came out. I was young. A few years younger than John Cusack. I forget how many. And... Similar to Sing Street, it's not the musical artifice of it, but there's this slightly unreal tone to it. The whole I don't want to do anything, or I don't want to make anything, buy anything, or sell anything. No, process anything. Ugh. Why am I getting the line wrong? I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. Yeah. See, that. It's so convoluted and silly that it absolutely works. It's such an inane, crazy thing to say that you buy into this character right away. He's such a weirdo. But it's like the weirder he is, the more, not that you want to be him, but the more that you feel like you might already be him, maybe. Or you want to know him. The story's always been strange to me, even though I love the movie. It always feels slightly discordant in connecting the romance plot to the father's embezzlement plot. But you need both to make it work. And that they don't fit, I guess, makes them feel more like a real thing. Hmm. Group three. I could just say Groundhog Day and just move on. Groundhog Day is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. Anyone who's listened to this show at all or any of my shows or any show I've been on knows... I've seen Groundhog Day over 400 times. I watched it every day for a year. 2013, 2014. Wrote about it. Average of 1,400 words a day. Continued to watch it every month after that for three years. Wrote about it and other movies. Put a lot of processing into it. It's a certain, objectively, not just my view, it's got a certain objective value to it that someone who didn't like this movie, I think there might be something wrong with them. Because think about even now, Every day the same, sitting at home when you're locked down. Whoever you are, you can be better. 
Hmm. Such a trite and tried, tired theme. But there's a reason the theme like this comes back time and time again. It's because we spend so much of our life trying to, you know, work our day job. People don't have careers and passions. They have jobs. If you're lucky, you like what you do. Or you do what you like. Really lucky you do both. And so maybe your days aren't monotonous. They aren't the same day in, day out. Or that day in, day out becomes like a, a rhythm, a pattern, a song. Something that just keeps the dance going. I had a bracelet. And the last one I had broke, unfortunately. I made some rubber bracelets that were uh, WWPCD. What would Phil Connors do? Made them as a joke during that year of first year of Groundhog Day. But it fits. Imagine you'd taken the time to test all the options for the day. Then what would you do? Well, eternal recurrence thing and all these other mandalas and all the philosophical stuff that came up in Groundhog Day Project is tied into this film and tied into my brain in ways that can't be undone very easily. It's going to be up the top because it tells you a bit about everything. That's why religious viewers take the film to be about their religion. I'm an atheist. I take it to be about my whatever. It's about all of us. But Happy Death Day is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. Take that tired theme. Some updates on it are okay. Triangle is pretty good. It's entertaining. Repeaters was great. Summer, eh. But Happy Death Day makes it its own. It's a slasher film with one victim, briefly too. But it's it's a great turn on a classic. And then with their sequel, they changed genres and still managed to continue. It's good work. It has its moments that don't quite fit, but it makes them work. Gives you characters that feel like real people immediately. Plays with them. Arguably, it can't be my favorite because, you know, it's aping something else. But it is. Because it apes it so well. Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. It's it's a film about the creative process. It's about that moment of trying to create something and be something and be somebody. It it plays with that, that drum beat and that incessant tracking shot and that sort of real-time but broken when it needs to be flow. And you're stuck. You're stuck with Riggins almost always. Drifts away from him a few times, but mostly it's following him, following him, following him, and you're stuck with this guy who's not that nice a guy. Like Groundhog Day, in a way. This movie is good because of its flaws. Because of its flawed character. Flawed characters. Everyone in this movie has problems. We talked a few episodes ago about ego in this film. That's a big thing. This white male who thinks he deserves a comeback. But he does have to earn it. It has to be good. Is his play good? Mm, from what we see, it'd probably be on the side of reviewing it poorly. I've read the Carver story. The Carver story is basically the conversation at the kitchen table. Everything else is Regan's construct. But then, that's the point, isn't it? You take this little tiny story, this little tiny theme, love and what you do for it, and blow it up. But then Regan's story, is it about what he'd do for love? Or is it about what he'd do to get love from his fans again? From any fans again? Because it's this egocentric guy who just wants to be someone again. Because once upon a time, he turned down Birdman's sequel, and he went away. And it plays so well on... Michael Keaton being Batman and then turning away from that franchise. If you were around when that happened, it feels different, I think, than if you weren't. And I was. The first Batman with Michael Keaton, I saw that movie six times in the theater. And I was, what, 13? So that was difficult, getting to the theater that many times. But I loved it. It's a Tim Burton movie that has to have a blot. Tim Burton's usually good for production design, 
idea man more than a storyteller. But now I've drifted. Batman wasn't even on the list, was it? Oh no. It's the next King of York is my favorite film, and I'll tell you why. It includes everything. It's about a man producing a play, 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 about life. It's the idea of this show. Doing a podcast about a movie, about a guy trying to make a movie, about a book that you can't make into a movie, and my podcast is not a podcast about that movie, because who fucking cares? Talk about what you want to talk about, and make it good, and make people want to listen, and have ideas, and say things, and explore interesting things. I mean, it's about movies, right? But everything's about movies for me. I've loved them since before I can remember. I've always loved movies. And Synecdoche isn't even about movies, but it's about movies. Because it's about that construct of scene within scene within scene. And it still comes off as real. One of my favorite little moments in the movie is when Claire, they're rehearsing. And she gets mad. She's saying her lines. And she walks out of the scene. And her line, as she leaves the rehearsal, is I'm going to rehearsal. What the fuck is wrong with you? (sighs) Going to rehearsal. And there's this... I don't know if it's that argument scene or later one where she complains that the guy playing Caden said something and she gets mad at Caden and he's like, I didn't say that. She says, yeah, but you thought it. You didn't even write a script for this guy, but he thought it. Maybe you could clean her toilet. Maybe I will. This is over. No, Claire. I'm not talking to you. I didn't say... I was going to clean Hazel's toilet. He did. But you thought it. I thought it, but I didn't say it. I got an offer to do Needleman in a haystack. And I'm going to take it. I want you out of the apartment. The real one. You can keep this one. And it's such a wonderful exploration of how those ideas get put together. It's the way my brain works. You listen to the show, you know. Little pieces of little things come in here and there. I'm thinking from this episode about, like, What do I want to talk about with these movies? And What do I think about people? What do I think about lockdown? What do I think about the world right now? And I'm like, do I want to make this show political? Because right now I'm doing Pump Up the Minute, and that show is deliberately political and deliberately of right now. Do I want this show to be that? Do I want to talk about, like, go from the preacher scene into, you know, like, Mr. Robot. Great monologue about finding people that won't let you hate them. And I, I love... Everything is more complicated than you think. You only see a tenth of what is true. There are a million little strings attached to every choice you make. You can destroy your life every time you choose. But maybe you won't know for 20 years. And you may never, ever trace it to its source. And you only get one chance to play it out. Just try and figure out your own divorce. And they say there is no fate, but there is. It's what you create. And even though the world goes on for eons and eons, you are only here for a fraction of a fraction of a second. Most of your time is spent being dead or not yet born. But while alive, you wait in vain, wasting years for a phone call or a letter or a look from someone or something to make it all right. And it never comes. Or it seems to, but it doesn't really. So you spend your time in vague regret or vaguer hope that something good will come along. Something to make you feel connected. Something to make you feel whole. 
something to make you feel loved. And the truth is, I feel so angry. And the truth is, I feel so fucking sad. And the truth is, I've felt so fucking hurt for so fucking long. And for just as long, I've been pretending I'm okay. Just to get along. Just for... I don't know why. Maybe because no one wants to hear about my misery. Because they have their own. Well... Fuck everybody. Amen. scared of them practically my whole life. And people that I loved, people I trusted, have done their absolute worst to me. And for a long time, that's all I ever knew. So yeah, I called my group F Society. Because you know what? Fuck society. Society deserves to be hated for everything you said they did and more. And you fuck every last one of them for what we've all been through. some people out there and it doesn't happen a lot it's rare but they refuse to let you hate them in fact they care about you in spite of it and the really special ones they're relentless at it you do to them they take it and care about you anyway they don't abandon you no matter how many reasons you give them no matter how much you're practically begging them to leave and you want to know why feel something for me that I can't. 
and for all the pain I've been through, that heals me. Maybe not instantly, maybe not even for a long time, but it heals. And yeah, and there are setbacks. We do fucked up things to each other. And we hurt each other and it gets messy. But that's just us. In any world you're in. And yeah, you're right. We're all told we don't stand a chance. And yet, we stand. We break. But we keep going. And that is not a flaw. That's what makes us. So no. I will not give up on this world. And if you can't see why, then I speak for everyone when I say, Fuck you! I love being able to take this anywhere. We're only... What, halfway through the bracket now? I've said this show will probably end when I get to, what, a minute 134 if I make it that far. Or episode 134. Because that's how many episodes there would have been if I was actually talking about Tristram Shandy every episode. Maybe I won't make it. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll be glad when it's over. Maybe you'll be glad when it's over. Maybe you've already moved on. In which case, I'm not talking to you, obviously. You're still here, whoever's hearing this. So, thank you. Stick around. It'd be more of the same, but more of the same is the rhythm we need to get by. Cut. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bull Minute. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of a coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You're still here? You just don't turn it off! It's over. Go home. Go.